Welcome to Mariner's Church. We're so glad that you're here with us. Wherever you are watching this, I want you to join us in this song today. Come on, let's sing it out. People, come together. People, come together. Strange as neighbors, our blood is one. Children of generations, of every nation, of kingdom come. Don't let your heart trouble. Hold your head up.
Hey Mariners, I am so excited to be standing at our Irvine campus, the very place where so much ministry has been taking place during this global pandemic. As the impacts of a global pandemic extended far beyond just affecting our health, we quickly realized that the gaps left in academic enrichment, community for kids, and childcare became the greatest challenge facing families besides the virus itself. Because of your generosity though, we have been able to step into these gaps and offer hope for families all across Orange County. As distance learning was relegated to parents and single parents were being asked to make the impossible choice between working or giving adequate care and supervision to their kids, we have been able to leverage our campus so that those kids have a safe place to come in to a learning pod and receive all the care and support that they need to be successful in their distance learning. Because of your generosity, our after-school program has become so much more than a place where kids are receiving hands-on learning in the areas of science and the arts, but it has become a place where they get to gather in community with other kids, play, and let their imaginations run wild. Now, while COVID has affected all of us, we also know that many groups and populations have been left particularly vulnerable in this season. The academic losses that certain populations, especially those that live within our Lighthouse Community Center neighborhoods, can be detrimental. But instead, we are offering distance learning support on a regular basis. We have expanded our after-school programming and are continuing to offer virtual tutoring for youth as well. Mariners Church, because of your giving, we have been able to do this and so much more. We've been a people that have been set apart, shining the light of Jesus during a really dark time. So Mariners Church, thank you so much for being part of this story. Mariners Church, if you are a student, a parent, or a teacher, we want to take a moment and stand with you in prayer as, as you continue this difficult journey of distance learning. Father God, we want to lift up all parents in this season. We lift up marriages. We lift up single parents who are doing their best to do the impossible. And God, we pray that you would continue to give parents the strength to show up every single day as they care for their young ones. And we pray for peace to cover all of the worries that they might have during this difficult time. God, we lift up our educators and our teachers. I pray that you, as they stand on the other end of that computer screen trying to care for their students, God, we pray that you would continue to remind them of the calling that you have placed in their life. And we pray for all of these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. You unravel me with the melody And you surround me with a song Of deliverance from my enemies To all my fears are gone I'm no longer a slave No longer a slave to fear. 
I'm so glad you are joining us this weekend. My name is Eric. I'm the senior pastor here at Mariners Church. If you're at Mariners HB, one of our Mariners in the neighborhoods, if you are at Mariners Irvine, if you're watching with a group of people in a home for Mariners Host at Home, or if you're joining us online, I'm really excited about the new teaching series that we are beginning this weekend, talking about living life with skill. We don't want to live life accidentally. We just don't want to go through life casually. We want to do this with skill. And there's a lot of conversation that takes place in our culture on how long does it take for someone to become skilled at something? 
If you want to look at a micro skill in your life, if that's painting, if it's being a great salesman, if it's surfing or mountain biking or some type of art or writing or giving a speech, how long does it take to be skilled at something, to really develop that skill well? And psychologists debate a bit how much of that is nature. You just have been given this skill and how much of that is nurture. And most conclude it's a little bit of both. It for sure takes time of intentionality and intensity to develop a skill. Just over the last couple of weeks, I have started trying to learn to surf here in SoCal. And some of you have told me, Eric, it's going to take a lot of reps. It's going to take a lot of runs in the ocean. You can't just automatically become really good at surfing. It's going to take time. And there's this rule that has really been popularized in culture by Malcolm Gladwell, who wrote a book called Outliers. It's called The Rule of 10,000 Hours, that it takes 10,000 hours to become really skilled at something. It actually began, that theory of 10,000 hours, began with a professor at University of Colorado named Anders Ericsson. And he says it takes about 10,000 hours of deliberate practice. So practice where you're really trying to become skilled at something. 10,000 hours of intentionality and intensity towards something for you to get this skill. Now, there's nothing wrong with developing micro skills, small micro skills in our life that cause us to enjoy life more or to become really skilled in our craft. But all of us have met people who are really good at something, but dumb when it comes to life as a whole. And the wisdom Psalms, which we're gonna begin this weekend spending time in, really help us think about living life skillfully. Not, not just having this micro skill, whether that's surfing or writing or being a good leader at your company. Those are important and you should do those for the glory of God. But the wisdom Psalms actually take us up from the micro skills to the macro skill. When we can become really skillful at living life, that we have a skillful approach to living life well. I have loved the last several months spending time with you in the Psalms and the book of Psalms written over this 900 year period of time. There's so much in there. I mean, we have seen so much. We started looking at Psalms that were encouraging to us in the middle of a pandemic that we could remember his promises to us. We looked at Psalms that were these honest prayers, this complaint prayers, these laments to God. And we loved looking at those Psalms because those Psalms reminded us that God actually put those in the Bible, that he wants us to come to him with our struggles. We just finished a series looking at Psalms that point to the character of God, how great he is. And we're going to finish our study in the Psalms in 2020 by looking at wisdom Psalms, Psalms that really give you great instruction for how to live this life well. The micro skills are great, but for the next four weeks, we're gonna pull up and look at the macro. How can your life, this one life you've been given, how can you live it with great skill? Actually, the book of Psalms opens with a wisdom Psalm, Psalm one. It's a beautiful Psalm, it's so artistic. I'm gonna love teaching this to you today because you're gonna see some really weighty things in the Psalm. But I want us to read this together before I pull out some thoughts for us to think about from Psalm 1. So will you read this with me aloud? No matter if you're at Mariner's HB, one of our neighborhood gatherings, Mariner's Irvine, if you are watching online, so glad you're with us. Let's read this together aloud. 
How happy is the one who does not walk in the advice of the wicked or stand in the pathway with sinners or sit in the company of mockers. Instead, his delight is in the Lord's instruction and he meditates on it day and night. He is like a tree planted beside flowing streams that bears fruit in its season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever he does prospers. The wicked are not like this. Instead, they are like chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand up in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to ruin. Psalm 1 opens with how happy. We love looking at the lament psalms because it shows that God understands us in our pain and our struggle. But the book of Psalms actually opens with this note of happiness. This is an invitation to you to have a life that is skillful and happy. We all look for happiness. We all want happiness. There's so many promises in our culture of happiness. Just last weekend, my youngest daughter, Evie, wanted me to take her to the Balboa Peninsula, to the fun zone, because there is this swing that she wants to go on called the happy swing. I mean, what a promise, right? I mean, you just get on this swing and you are going to be happy. And so we're standing in line and I'm pointing out to her that not everybody in line, Evie, seems to be happy. I mean, it says happy swing, but not everybody in line is happy. And look, not everybody who gets off the swing looks happy. And we got on the swing. And if you've known me for a while, you know that I don't do the best with rides. I tolerate rides to spend time with my kids and she's loving it and she's screaming. And at the end of the happy swing ride, I'm hanging over the dock, dry heaving because it just does something to my stomach. The happy swing did not make me happy, but there's a promise. If you will get on this swing, you will be happy. Now, Psalm 1 though is a much more rich and deep promise for your happiness, but it's actually a much more challenging invitation for you to be happy. It's not like, hey, just get on this swing. It's no big deal. And you're going to be on this happy swing and everything's going to be great. That's not the the weight of the word. For you to be happy, to have a life that is skillful and happy, there's going to be this narrow path for you. In fact, if you want the breadth of happiness, if you want the width of happiness, then you are going to need to go down a very narrow path. The narrow path leads to the breadth and the width of happiness. And the language in verse one is really incredible because it's gonna show us how narrow this path is. And if you take it, it's a very narrow path. The language in just verse one is so poetic. It's, you're probably gonna see some things in this verse that maybe you haven't seen before, even if you've been studying the Bible for years. So you may wanna grab a pen. I want you to see this. How happy is the one who does not walk in the way, in the advice of the wicked or stand in the pathway with sinners or sit in the company of mockers. I want you to notice the progression here. Notice in the verse that you see the word walk, stand, sit. That that is the progression of us when we walk away from the Lord. So the person who's not happy, the person who walks away from a skillful life, the person who walks away from the Lord goes through this progression of walking, then standing, then sitting. What what, what does that mean? 
It means that when I walk away from the Lord, I, I walk away from the one who can give me happiness. I walk, I then stand in front of temptation and I look at it and I consider it. And then I go sit in the temptation. That, that, that's how my heart grows cold. That's how my heart gets callous as I walk away from the Lord. It begins with walking away from happiness, walking away from Him, standing and considering something else other than Him. I've already turned my back on Him and now I'm considering something else. And then finally I sit. So notice the progression of verse one. You not only see a progression in our activity away from the Lord, but you see a progression in how we're influenced. Notice this set of words advice, pathway, and company. So when I walk away from the Lord and I walk away from the one who can ultimately make me happy, I, I first listen to the advice of people who want to pull me away from the Lord. Then I am in the, the path that they are taking me on. So I first listen and I'm, then I walk down a path and finally I'm in their company. I belong. I go from listening to participating to belonging. So there's this progression away from the Lord, this progression away from happiness. Finally, you'll see a third set of words in Psalm 1. We move from being wicked to sinner to mocker. And what does that mean? It's a progression of what happens to our hearts and to everyone's heart who walks away from the Lord and walks away from happiness. The word for wicked is the general term for wickedness. The term sinner there means a more specific disobedience, a more specific walking away from God. And then the word mocker is when I've walked away from the Lord and now I'm celebrating all the things that I've done to walk away from Him. And so this verse shows that this is how you get away from happiness. This is how you get away from the Lord. You first walk away, then you stand and evaluate, then you sit, you've listened, you participate. Now you belong to people who are walking away from the Lord. You've moved away from this general wickedness to sin, to mocking the Lord by basically saying, ha, this is the way I live and this is all that I want to do. I don't want the Lord at all. That is how our hearts grow cold. Have you seen this progression? in your life, where you move from thinking, I'll never do that to you actually celebrate the thing that you once said you would never do. This is the path that leads to destruction. This is the path that leads us away from the Lord and away from happiness. But for those who insist on another way, this is the skillful way to live. This is how we actually are happy. Instead of being that, Look at verse two. Instead, this is the one who is happy. His delight is in the Lord's instruction and he meditates on it day and night. So instead of walking away from the Lord and away from happiness, the, the one who is happy, the one who delight is the one who delights in the Lord and meditates on his word. Just as there was action and intentionality away from the Lord, there is action and intentionality to be happy in the Lord. It is someone who is delighting in Him and meditating on His Word. Delighting and enjoying the Lord and meditating on His Word. That's the one who finds happiness. That's the path, that's the way you go if you wanna live a skillful life. Now on your phone, typically several times a week, probably several times a day, 
there's appointments that pop up. And sometimes if you're honest, you're like, oh man, I wish this one had been canceled. I wish this meeting didn't happen. I love it when this meeting gets canceled because then I have more time. Then there's other appointments that pop up on your calendar and you hope they never get canceled because you enjoy the people you're with, you enjoy what you're doing, you delight in those meetings and the others feel like a duty. The other appointments, they feel like ah, they're, they're drudgery, they're not things you enjoy. This verse is saying the way to happiness is when you view the Lord as your delight. You want to be with Him. You delight in His instruction and you meditate on it. This week, I took my oldest daughter, she turns 13 years old on Monday the 26th. I can't believe how fast time has gone. And so I took her out to eat for her birthday, just Eden and and me, we went out and went out to this incredible steak place. And it was going to be the first time that she had this such incredible piece of meat. I mean, a a prime cut filet mignon on a very hot plate. And she was, as we were driving there, she's like, dad, we don't have to go to a place this expensive. And I'm like, listen, sometime in your life, someone else is gonna take you to a place like this and I'm gonna be the first one. I want you to enjoy this incredible meal. It's like the rite of passage, you're becoming 13. I, I put this letter together telling her how proud I am of her and my prayer for her. And then we sat down and we had this incredible steak. I mean, it was an amazing meal. It's a meal that you delight in. It's not one that is a duty. I didn't stand over Eden and say, okay, listen, this is your rite of passage. You're 13 years old now. Eat that piece of meat and prove you're a woman. I mean, this is not at all what the meal was. This was a meal where you delight and you taste and you enjoy. And I knew she would love it. And she did. This is how I knew. She didn't even touch her fries until the steak was completely done she delighted in the meal. And this is what the Lord says happiness is. I mean, if you view time with the Lord as an appointment on your calendar that you aren't looking forward to, then you're not gonna live the happy life. But if you train yourself to delight in the Lord and delight in His instruction, and you meditate on His word, and you think of His word throughout the day, That's the path to happiness. That this is the the foundation of a life that is lived well. This is the foundation of a life that is skillful. If you're saying, I'm not gonna go down the path that moves me from wickedness to mocking the Lord, that moves me from walking away to actually sitting in a life that is away from the Lord. I'm not going down that path. And the way for me not to go down that path is to go down this path And this path is the path, it's narrow, but it's the path where I enjoy God. I enjoy his word, I delight in him, and it's really, really good. Psalm 34, verse eight, the scripture says, taste and see that the Lord is good. He is the best meal. He is the best for your soul. Taste and see, go down this path. This is the skillful life. Taste and see that the Lord is good. How happy is the person who takes refuge in him. So there's these two paths. One path is the one away from happiness and away from the Lord. The other path is where you delight in him and you meditate on his word. And we read Psalm 1 together. Here's how Psalm 1 compares the people in those two paths. The 
the psalmist says, hey, if, if you go down this path, you're going to be like chaff. And if you go down this path, the right path, you're going to be like a tree planted by a flowing stream. Let's see what the scripture says. Verse three, the person who delights in the Lord is like a tree planted beside flowing streams that bears its fruit in its season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever he does prospers. The wicked are not like this. Those who went down the path, the other path, the wicked are not like this. Instead, they are like chaff that the wind blows away. Chaff, you've probably heard that word. Uh, let me give you an example of what it is. It's the outer covering of seed. So when you're binge watching a show on Netflix and you've got a big bowl of popcorn with you, sometimes we do this, Kay and I do. And at the very end, when you're still hungry, and all the popcorn is gone, and there's popcorn seeds in the bottom of the bowl, that's not the chaff. The chaff is the outer covering of those popcorn seeds. The stuff that gets in your teeth, the stuff that you're like, eh, it's not worth even putting in my mouth. I don't want this in my mouth because it gets stuck. That's the chaff, the outer covering of the popcorn seed that is in the bottom of the bowl that no one wants to eat. And so the psalmist is saying, if you get out down this path, you're like chaff, if you go down this path and you delight in the Lord, if you go the skillful way of living, your life is like a tree planted. It's planted. It's not accidental. It's planted by a flowing stream. In California, we have incredible trees. Some of the world's most famous trees are in California. They're so famous that we give them names. There, there's no names of chaff. I mean, no one has a post of an Instagram with some chaff naming the chaff. I mean, no one posts pictures of chaff, but pictures of trees people post all the time. And in California, we name these trees. There is General Sherman. It is the largest living tree that there is, massive. We have also the tallest tree in California named Hyperion. And then we have the most photographed tree in California, the Lone Cypress. Here's a picture of Kay and me in front of the Lone Cypress this summer. It's in Pebble Beach. It's that beautiful, amazing, just incredible drive. This is the most photographed tree there is. While we were there, just scores of people are coming. People get engaged in front of this tree. People love to have their picture in front of the Lone Cypress. But you know where people never get engaged in front of? A bowl of chaff. No one is saying, hey, baby, can you ask me to marry you in front of a bowl of chaff? I want that to be on our wedding invitation. No one wants to be chaff. We want to have our pictures taken in front of these amazing trees. And the scripture is saying that if you will go down the right path, if you'll go down this path and you delight in the Lord and you seek him for your happiness, your life is planted. It's not accidental. It's not um, haphazard. It's planted by a stream and it causes your life to grow and produce fruit in its season. If you go this way and you walk away from the Lord and walk away from happiness, your life is like chaff. Robert Frost in his very famous poem ends his poem this way. Two roads diverged in a wood and I, I took the one less traveled by and that has made all the difference. These two roads that Psalm 1 paints a picture of for us, the road of delighting in the Lord is the road that is less traveled. I mean, if you look at Psalm 1, it's happy is the one who delights in the Lord. And then there's this multitude that mocks him. 
And so if you really want to be happy, you've got to be willing to be the one who's going to go down the path towards the Lord and enjoy him and delight in his instruction and meditate on his word day and night. That's the way of skillful living. That's the way of happiness. So we're at a fork in the road, according to Robert Frost, and there's two ways. How do we go down this way? How do we enjoy the life the Lord has for us? How do we live skillfully? There's two thoughts that I have for you. First, we're gonna choose our influences carefully. And second, we are going to consume the scripture continually, okay? Number one, choose your influences carefully. We get all of this from Psalm 1. We wanna choose our influences carefully. And number two, we want to consume the scripture continually. So let's talk about number one, choose our influences carefully. Now, some of you are saying, oh man, I'm not, I'm not easily influenced. I'm my own man. No one can influence me. This is not true. Every single one of us is influenced. Just think about it. In our culture, we now have a whole profession called social media influencers because research has proven this is true. Whatever it is that we consume, whoever it is that we follow, whoever it is that we spend time with, those people influence it, influence us. Whatever it is that you watch, whatever it is that you listen to, whatever it is that you read, whoever it is that you walk down the path of life with, those people influence you. You cannot change the reality that you're going to be influenced. You can change who influences you, but you can't change the fact that you will indeed be influenced. So choose your influences very carefully. There's research done on how much we are influenced. Many of you have heard this before. Motivational speaker Jim Rowan says that your income and your wealth is typically the average of the five people that you are the closest to. In other words, the people you spend the most time with, they actually impact how you view finances and even your earning potential, according to Jim Rohn. According to James Fowler, who's a professor at University of California, San Diego, your health is dramatically impacted by who you spend the most time with. Your diet and your exercise or lack of exercise is impacted by the people who you spend the most time with. The people in your life, they influence you one way or the other. And if we care, I know in Orange County, we care about health and we care about wealth, but if we care about those things, how much more so should we care that we are influenced in the path towards the Lord? How much more so should we care that we are influenced to love him more? How much more should we care that we are influenced, that we delight in him because he's the road, he's the path, he's the way that we find true happiness in this life. He is ultimate happiness. How much more so should we care that we are influenced in the way of the Lord? So choose your influences carefully. Teenagers, choose carefully who you're gonna spend the most time with. Parents, we should choose carefully who we're going to allow to influence our families. Choose carefully who you're gonna spend the most time with at work. Choose carefully who you're gonna spend the most time with in your life on the weekends. Choose carefully your influences. You are going to be influenced. If you read Psalm 1 verse one, the person who walks away from happiness and walks away from the Lord is listening to the advice, is on the path, is participating, and then is sitting in the place 
of mocking the Lord and living his life there. We are influenced, all, every single one of us. And many of you have seen in recent days, you've seen the Netflix documentary, The Social Dilemma. It's based on books and on research that shows every single one of us is constantly influenced by what we are putting in front of our eyes, by what we're reading, that there's algorithms that are basically finding out what infuriates you and what you share and what excites you. And then you are then targeted with more and more of that information. And then what happens in our culture is you think everybody's reading this information, but other people are reading completely different information. And you now think they're idiots because they aren't reading the same thing you're reading, but they don't know because they don't have the same perspective perception because they read different articles than you read, and they might think you're an idiot because they read a whole different set of thinking, and now this divide is happening more and more, and the longer we spend on those platforms, the research is saying, we are not happy. And so just evaluate, I mean, seriously, just evaluate. Are you happier with all the stuff that you're reading? With all the time that you were spending being influenced, is it actually causing you to be filled with joy and to love the Lord more? Or is it leading you down a path where you're angry and frustrated and ticked off all the time? Get off that path. Get off that path. That's not the path where you're gonna ultimately be happy. Come over on this path. Come on this path. Delight in the instruction of the Lord. Meditate on his word day and night. Which brings us to point number two. Number two. Consume the scripture continually. How happy is the one who does not walk in the advice of the wicked or stand in the pathway with sinners or sit in the company of mockers. Instead, instead, this is what the happy one does. Instead, his delight is in the Lord's instruction. You're gonna choose something that is going to continually influence you. And whatever influences you is going to make a massive difference. We opened up talking about what does it take to really develop skills? And one of the most incredible case studies about developing a micro skill comes from a man named Shlajo Polgar. He actually wrote a book about raising kids before he was a dad, before he was even, even married. He wrote a book called Bring Up Genius. And the reason he wrote the book is he had researched all of these incredible geniuses, these people who had made a massive impact in culture and he found that they devoted themselves to one skill, to one craft, to one discipline, and they just kept going after that one discipline. So he decided, I wanna raise kids that way. I want to bring, he wrote a book about it, and now I wanna bring up geniuses. Let's see if this works. He took out an ad in the paper for a wife who would test this hypothesis with him. It's not very romantic, but the story is pretty cool. So he marries Clara. So Slajo and Clara get married. The whole reason initially, I'm sure that they end up loving each other, but the whole reason initially that they get married is they wanna see if they can bring up genius. They don't even know what they're gonna get their kids to love, what discipline or skill they're gonna develop. They just know they're gonna do it. One day after their first daughter is born, Clara calls Slajo at work and says, she found an old chess kit in the attic as they were rummaging around and she's completely in awe of this chess kit. This is um, Susan, the oldest. Susan, the first daughter of Schlazo and Clara finds this chess kit and starts playing chess. And so 
Slazo comes home, but he had no experience in chess, wasn't a chess player, but they decide that they are going to raise their kids their one thing, the thing that's gonna consume them is chess. They have two more daughters. They petition the government to allow them to homeschool their daughters at their apartment in Budapest. They line the walls with books about chess. They record all of their activities about chess. They start taking the kids to chess tournaments when they are really young. Chess becomes their one thing. Their whole life gets consumed with chess. And does it work? Does it work? Well, here's what's fascinating. He wrote a book about bringing up genius. He marries a woman to test if you can actually bring up a genius. He throws chess in front of his family as the one thing that's gonna dominate them as the skill that they are going to do skillfully and it works incredibly well. This is what happens. Susan, the oldest, became the first female chess grandmaster in history. Sophia, the middle daughter, at one time was ranked the sixth best female chess player in the world. And Judith, the youngest daughter, is known categorically as the best female chess player who has ever lived. They raised up geniuses. Why? Because they consumed chess continually. That's a micro scale. That's a micro scale. And you could say, yeah, that's awesome. You want to live life well? Not, not just the micro skill of chess. You wanna live life well, you consume this continually. You, you wanna live life with skill, you consume this continually. How happy is the one who his delight is in the Lord's instruction. This isn't a duty, this is a delight. No one's having to tell you, man up and read it. You're like, yes, I wanna eat this. I wanna eat this because this is the path of life. You wanna live life skillfully, then you throw yourself into this book. There's a story of Susan, I'm sorry, of Sophia, the middle daughter of the Polgars. And she was consumed with chess because her whole family was. And one night, Schlajo got up from his bed because he saw a light on in the bathroom and Susan was in there and she was playing chess in the middle of the night. And her dad says, I'm sorry, Sophia was playing chess in the middle of the night. And the dad says, Sophia, you can go to bed, you can go to bed. Um, you don't have to keep playing right now. Leave the chess pieces alone. And she said this, it's actually painful to hear. She said, but daddy, they won't leave me alone. They won't leave me alone. They were dominating. That was her main thing. It was ruling and reign over her life. They won't leave me alone. And then she walked away from chess and people asked her, this is when she was the sixth best player in the world. People asked her, why did you walk away from chess, and this is what she said. It's not that chess was too much for me. In other words, it's not that chess was overwhelming me. It was too little. I love that, it's a beautiful statement. It's not that this was too much for me, it was too little. It didn't ultimately quench me. It didn't ultimately satisfy me. Understand that you have an amazing father. Shlajo Polgar put chess in front of his kids as their one thing. You have an amazing father who puts himself in front of you as your one thing. And if you will delight in him, he will never be too little for you. He will always be enough. He will be more than enough. He will be the one who quenches you and satisfies you. He will never be too little. If you go down the path 
of delighting yourself in him. He will never be too little. His grace is enough for you. His mercy is enough for you. His truth is overwhelming. Delight yourself in him. Delight yourself in him and he will satisfy the deepest longings of your soul. This path, this path is the way to life. This path is the way to happiness. You wanna live life skillfully, you go down this path. You delight in him and this, in his instruction and you throw yourself in to this blessed book and you meditate on it day and night. When I first became a Christian, my senior year in high school, by God's grace, he developed in me taste buds for the goodness of his word. I became addicted to reading the scripture and it has never been too little for me. It's never been too little and it's not too little for you. It's not too little if you go down this path. As we wrap up 2020 and we move into 2021, our annual read next year at Mariners Church is going to be some time in the Proverbs together. If you've been at Mariners for years, you know that every single year we choose a devotional to read together. This year we've been reading New Morning Mercies and it's just been incredible. I've heard such incredible feedback from you. It's been amazing to read the scripture together every day. And so starting in January, we're gonna spend time in the Proverbs together for the year. Tim Keller wrote this devotional book on the book of Proverbs. I've been praying about what our read is going to be in 2021, and I'm so excited about this. We're gonna spend some time in January on our weekend teaching in the book of Proverbs. And this will be a great way for you to start 2021. We'll have a link on the screen on where you can purchase this. And I wanna encourage you as you start Christmas shopping and thinking about 2021 to have this ready so that when you begin the new year, you are delighting in the Lord and in his instruction. How happy is the one who go down, goes down the path of delighting in the Lord. Father, I thank you for your sons and daughters. As we worship you now, I pray that we would delight in you, that we would find our joy in you.
let's build our life on Jesus and his word. Church family, will you extend your hands and let me pray a prayer of blessing over you as we go. Father, I pray for your sons and daughters who are listening and watching now. I ask that you will bless them this new week. I pray you will lead them in the path of righteousness. You will increase their happiness as they follow you. Bless them, cause your face to shine on them. Fill them with your joy and peace. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Go in peace, Mariners Church. God bless you.